Episode 113, ABCA President Talks Legislation and Independent Contractor. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we're Dr. Quentin Briscoe's Perspective. Join 2017 and 2018 Podcast Awards nominated host as we get a behind the curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Glad you're back to listen to a new episode. Today we hear the president of the American Black Chiropractic Association. What's their role and purpose? We're going to talk about the NCLC, which is a chiropractic leadership conference in Washington, D.C. Uh, we go into some of the bills that on a national and local level and why it's important to say join your associations and how insurance companies can mm, try to pull a fast one and how we can counteract that. Uh, Dr. Briscoe is a independent contractor. He's been that pretty much his entire time as a chiropractor. And we discuss, you know, why would you do that? What's the perks? What's the drawbacks? You know, collections, flat rent, which is best? We really kind of explore that for a while. He came up with a stat that said every day 10,000 people become eligible for Medicare every day until 2023. So that's a lot. And that rolls into some of the legislation that we talk about later in the episode. We even talk about the role of chiropractors with doctors in treating back pain and headaches and things like that and his special hobbies in the end of the episode. I want to let you know we are looking for sponsors. So if you know of a, uh, a company, whether it's a respectable product, say, you know, shoe inserts or some cold laser, fancy scrubs, electronic health records companies, you know, all those types of uh, businesses. Um, sometimes they can be specific to, you know, a physical therapy series that we did or uh, maybe it's to a market to women doctors. We've had past episodes that we can put them on. So pass it along. Definitely like to chat with them and spread their message. I've been knowing Quentin since school back in 06. So it's great to actually be able to interview him and pick his brain on what he's been up to uh, for the last decade and a little over that actually. So all the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 113. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from Lafayette, Louisiana and Lafayette, Louisiana. Yeah, that's right. We're doing our very first in person live interview so we're looking forward to this well hopefully all the the audio will play out like it's supposed to and today we have got the american black chiropractic association president he's been this for almost two years now he's also three-time swac conference championships one national championship and all swac offensive lineman from southern university back in his heyday and now he's a chiropractor his name is dr quentin briscoe welcome to the show how y'all doing well there's a lot of things you could have done. You got, a, I think, a, a good story in a sense of you were an athlete, started doing chiropractic to us. That's very common. Maybe physical therapy is also a route that a lot of past athletes choose. But what brought you into chiropractic of all the other specialties you could have done? I kind of knew I wanted to be a chiropractor since I was the age of 17. Uh, when I was summer before my senior year, my mom, who was seeing the chiropractor at the time, took me on to one of her visits. And... I was able to observe the chiropractor doing his adjustments and and whatnot on my mom as a patient. It was the most intriguing thing I've ever seen up until that point. And that's kind of where my chiropractic start spark uh, started. Did you realize that you could see so many different things as a chiropractor? At that time, no. I just I didn't know what was going on. You know, I just knew my mom had uh, back pain. She had been in a series of auto accidents and injuries from lifting and turning paper 
patients. She was a she was a nurse by profession, so a lot of times she had to turn patients, lift patients, and that was one of her initial injuries that started her low back pain. What were some of the surprises after school, getting into practice? Did you realize that you would have to be a solo entrepreneur? Or did you think that you could possibly work at a doctor's office and make it like at a hospital? Or were you aware of those types of things? I knew there was no no hospital aspect to uh, the profession. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to be in solo practice within a group uh, or an associate. Or, you know, I didn't know what the option was. I just knew there were several options to, to, to go with. Okay. And now you've been working in someone else's umbrella clinic pretty much the whole time for 12 years almost. Um, have you ever looked at going out on your own or what are the benefits of working in somebody else's clinic uh, as an independent person in your opinion? Well, some of the advantages is when you're first starting out, you don't have a lot of uh, working capital or you know access to a lot of money. You can join in someone's practice as an independent contractor and you can get into a revenue sharing situation or you can get into a um, you can pay a monthly rent fee and then you basically allow to use all the equipment and the office staff and and create your own income. Obviously, you've been around. You've met a lot of people, including yourself. So this is kind of a general, like not what are you seeing, but what's a good fare. Is it better to do like a percent of what you collect? Is it better to just say, hey, I'm going to pay a thousand bucks a month, two thousand dollars a month, four thousand a month in rent? Is there any tips you can give those who are looking at your situation so they don't get taken advantage of? I guess you got to figure out what the overhead of that particular clinic is. So that particular clinic's overhead is $6,000 a month. And if you decide that you just wanted to do split the overhead, you have to come up with $3,000 a month, regardless of what your revenue is. So... It could so be tough as a brand new grad. It could be grad. tough as a brand new grad because if you had $3,000 a month, you can start your own practice. So and on a converse. Because um, banks don't loan to chiropractors very often. You can't just get a $200,000 loan to build your own clinic typically. Not usually. There always are exceptions to the rules. If you, if you know the banker or you have a well-established relationship with a bank or a banker, sometimes you can get that type of money without collateral. But uh, most of the time that requires collateral, some asset that they can come and take if, if your business doesn't uh, go as planned. So um, it just kind of depends. You know, I've been in, I've been in both situations. Or should I say I am in both situations. I have a secondary office where I basically pay a fee for uses per month. And regardless if I'm there or not, um, but I have to still see my own patients. On the flip side of that, whatever profit I make out of it, it's it's profit for the business. So that's helpful. Correct. So I have so I ha- so I actually do both. Five years from now, do you see yourself picking one or the other? Well, one one has to dominate the other. Okay. So you know, until one pushes you away from the other, then you keep doing what you're doing until some some line of demarcation happens to when one pushes you out away from the other because you're so busy at one that you don't have time for the other. Okay. Are there any type of patients that you enjoy seeing on a regular basis that you're like, if I could just see these two things all the time, like I'm so good at them. I like doing them. I just wish there was a way to just always have them. Uh, it's a, you know, I just no real true one injury type patient that I prefer. Um, I enjoy treating people with the, with headaches, low back pain, neck pain, you know, sciatica. Um, a lot of my patients come as a result of an auto accident or some type of work accident. Um, Can you do 
auto accidents and be ethical. I think we've all heard of the PI meals and they care more about getting them in 50 times than not getting better. How do you stop that from happening? Patients generally want to get better. Patients that come here want to get better. They, you know, I have to take as far as that goes, the patient at their word. You know, I'm not inside their body. I don't know, you know, what they are feeling. You know, I have to accept what they say is um, what's going on. I can't, I'm not supposed to be able, I'm not supposed to be the judge to decide um, if the patient is injured or not. You know, if the patient comes in and say they're injured, they're injured. I'm their advocate. You know, I have to advocate for the patient uh, because if, if I don't advocate for them, who will? And there's always paperwork involved where Oswald Trees, Merlin Morris, those type of objective, they're kind of objective subjective if you ask me because they still have to fill it out, but it gives you numbers to see if they're malingering or just actually getting better or whatnot. And you find those to be pretty helpful? Um, Over time, most, most of my patients do follow an auto accidents. Uh, do well, you know, 80 to around 80 to 85% of my patients uh, treat for anywhere between six weeks and six months and then are subsequently released and they go on about, you know, living their everyday life. There's always a percentage of about 10 to 15% of people who I have to refer on to uh, a neurosurgeon or orthopedic surgeon or perhaps to a um, injection specialist to help uh, with them controlling their pain and, you know, and trying to get to the bottom of what's really bothering them. Any advice? Sometimes it feels like the attorneys in town have already got relationships with the PT, with the chiro, with the ortho clinic. And if you get a PI, it's like, oh, they just happen to know you maybe somehow and they got injured. So they come see you. Is there a way to bridge that gap? So you become the top two that they recommend? That's a very difficult question to answer because I'm still trying to work on that answer myself. But I think the easiest thing to do is find a fresh uh, attorney, fresh out of school, who doesn't have the um, relationships already established. And you can establish a relationship with someone um, that's new out of school, that's still hungry, that's looking to make you know, their way in this, um, that type of, in that world. And so then you can branch out from them sometimes get referrals to new attorney from new attorneys. And sometimes they end up working for older attorneys and, you know, you can kind of uh, bridge the gap and get in with the uh, more established attorneys by uh, marketing to the newer attorneys. What are they looking for? Do you know? What makes you look good? Like is your paperwork? Most patient? of the time it's just a personal relationship. Oh, okay. Uh, it's not, I, I, I don't find that um, one type of note uh, makes a big of a difference in most cases because uh, you everyone has the same uh Degree, they have the same certification. They, they all, we all have to pass the national boards. We all have to get our state license. We all have to do our uh, continuing education yearly. So it's all about personal relationships with these attorneys. And um, if they know you, if they, if they, it's just like anything else. If you know someone, you're more comfortable with them because you can reach them. Uh, so at one point I was taking a seminar with talking about Colossus and just trying to get you aware of like, just know what you're dealing with, you know? And one of the things that they were selling was like a case history summary, some kind of like program so that you can make sure you cover all the things lawyers want, sometimes using the verbiage that they want that makes sense. Have you ever encountered anything like that? Um, I've, I've been introduced to the idea of Colossus and, you know, states have different regulations. So, um, the rules that are followed is, is mandated by the state law in the state where the accident happened. So, 
uh, in Louisiana, Colossus is not as, what's the word I want to use, pronounced as it is in other states. So it is, Colossus is not determining factor as far as I know in this state. Okay. Because the attorney, because of the way the tort laws are written. So even though some people may try to use it as a factor, um, I don't think it has the same uh, stretched as it does in other states. You're working in somebody else's office. Do you have your own staff? Do you share staff? Can you fire staff? Can you train them to be what you want? Like, hey, when I want laser, if I want ultrasound done, this is how I like it done versus the other doctors. How does all that play out? Uh, we, we basically, all of us, it's four doctors here right now and we share, uh, staff. Um, the, it's their job as far as the office manager and our two CAs, uh, which stands for chiropractic assistance to kind of know all of us as physicians and know what our preferences are. And since I've been here around, around 10 years, my staff kind of knows what I want, unless I tell them something specific um, that's maybe different than they they adjust accordingly. Okay. 80-20 rule at that point. Right. Okay. So you're involved in the American Black Chiropractic Association. You were doing it as a student. I remember that when we went to school together. Shocker. And then now you've become the president of the whole shebang. What is it that y'all are focused on? And they just had the NCLC, which is the National Chiropractic Legislative Conference. That's in Washington, D.C. every year. Um, these two might be similar. They might coincide together. If they're two separate things, that's fine, too. But what's the goal of, the, uh, of APCA? What are y'all trying to do? And then does that was that part of the NCLC? And what did you learn from the NCLC? And what, well, of course, guys, we'll, we'll ask follow-up questions and kind of get dig a little deeper. I know that was really broad. So what you got yeah, for that, us, that was a very... Very big question with multiple complex answers. So I, I just kind of start back. I am the president of the American Black Chiropractic Association, and I started as a student member somewhere around 2003. So that's been about 15, 16 years I've been involved with the organization. And I became president of my local SAPCA chapter at TCC, which is a Texas Chiropractic College, in 2006, I want to say. And I became a, a, a regional uh, student rep for the for the national board around 2006, 2007. And upon graduation, um, I was elected to the position of parliamentarian of the national organization, which I served uh, for four years under um, one of my mentors, Dr. Rodney Williams, one, while he was president. So I remained on the board in, in the next president's administration as the central region director. And then in 2016, I became uh, the ABCA president, which I currently serve. This is my, it's been about two and a half years. So ABCA was actually started in 1981 by Dr. Bobby Westbrooks. He wanted a forum for the minority chiropractors to be able to meet fellowship and encourage the recruitment of new chiropractic students um, to get into the profession because he saw that there was a great need for black chiropractors in, in, in minority communities because they didn't know what chiropractic is, what it was, and and where to go to find one. So it started in 1981 in St. Louis, Missouri, and that was kind of the premise of the organization and has been going ever since. So primary focus is, is to help the recruitment of chiropractic students, fellowship of other chiropractic doctors, because our challenges as minorities, uh, black chiropractors, are different than the challenges of everyone else. 
it's, it's more difficult for us to get bank loans. It's more difficult to start a business. It's more difficult to go through the school process. It's more difficult to get accepted in the school. So this is a way to kind of help that process move along. And y'all have like management help inside there? Or is it more of you got some kind of questions that you just can't figure out? Or, you know, what's a good business practice to go to? Is, is that help kind of answer those types of questions? Or... Uh, well, we, we do, we, we're basically a group of black doctors. We, we work on a volunteer basis. We mentor uh, the student chapters. We have what we call SABC, which is the Student American Black Chiropractic Association. And every school, every chiropractic school in the nation typically has a chapter and they have a president, a vice president, and they have chapter members. And so, and what they do on a student level is also to help them get through school, help them fellowship, help them along the process of the grueling task that what is chiropractic college or chiropractic school. And the, the ABCA helps them along with mentorship advice and and how to get through school and once they get through school how to begin the process of the practice of chiropractic are there any like programs or stats that show that they're the black enrollments in, increasing or the success rate among like black chiropractors versus anybody else is better or they're successful or uh, just helps with the challenge like you said with the challenges that y'all might have with outright or underpinning racism that goes on oh uh, I don't think legally the schools can keep records of that I'm aware of that keep records of you know who's entering and exiting schools like that they may that's not something that i'm aware of abreast of but i know cce or the um which is the council of Corporate education uh would be the people who would set those minimum standards if they were any to be set so i don't know if how or if they're tracking that or not that's something that i have to try to find out from each individual school or from cce okay and when you went to nclc were you representing apca or were you going for uh, another reason? I'll, I, I'm always representing ABCA because I'm the president. So wherever <laughs> you I are go, the face. I'm representing the ABCA. So um, I was there representing the ABCA at the uh, at the NCLC event, and which allows me to meet with the other chiropractors in leadership positions throughout the nation, including the ACA president. Uh, sometimes the school presidents are there, CCE, National Board, the National Board of Chiropractic Examiners, presidents and vice presidents are there. So all the leading people in the profession tend to be at this major event. And so we get to sometimes sit down and talk, discuss where the profession is going. NCLC is primarily about legislature and getting chiropractic friendly bills pushed in the, the United States Congress so that we can try to change some of the laws that we find to be uh, discriminatory in nature or just to allow more people access to chiropractic, which which is something that we all as chiropractors want. Anything stick out to you as far as laws that they're trying to pass this year that you uh, recall? Um, the biggest two is the inclusion of chiropractic in the Medicare system. As, as it stands right now, uh, Medicare will only pay for chiropractic adjustments only in, uh, uh, that's the only thing that we can bill for that Medicare will pay for. Are you telling me we have to do exams and rehab, but we don't ever get paid for it? We have to do, we are mandated <laughs> to do an exam on every patient. And most of the time that includes taking x-rays of a patient who's of Medicare age 
and of Medicare risk. So Medicare typically starts at 65 and in some cases 62. And we're required to do an exam before we start working on these patients, which Medicare does not cover. So the the law that we're trying to push is that everything that is allowable under state law can be paid for and be a Medicare benefit. So as it stands now, they just pay out of pocket. The, yes, the patient just pays out of pocket for their every other service with the exception of the adjustment, which they pay their their whatever their 80-20 is uh, per, I think it's 80% Medicare covers, and they have to pay their 20% of the adjustment. Everything else is paid out of pocket. And the, pro- the reason why that's important is if you go to physical therapy, you're getting similar stuff. It's probably paid for. You go to the medical doctor, it's paid for. Are there some chiropractors who might say, actually, we enjoy the fact that we don't have to, that we can just pay cash because we don't want to do it anyway. And there's other chiropractors are like, well, no, it's a service. The population is getting older. Why should they have to come out of pocket more when everybody's allowed to build this anyway? There are people on both sides of the equation, but I found out, I found an interest. I've got an interesting fact given to me um, at NCLC that every day, 10,000 people become qualified for Medicare. And every day, today, tomorrow, yesterday, one day next week, every day, 10,000 people are going to be eligible for Medicare. And that's going to go on until 2023. Whoa. So it would behoove us to get something like this passed and have way more access. Okay. So that's kind of what it's about. For patients to have better access, because right now, as it stands, there's probably plenty of older people that would, could benefit, but they didn't save very well. Or they just don't have the funds available to begin care because we're not allowed to discount those types of exams for Medicare. True? That is true. Okay. We can't, we can't, it's called a Medicare inducement. So we can't offer free things to patients to get them to become a patient on the way Medicare rules are, are written. That's really interesting to me. I mean, I don't like doing free stuff anyway, but I understand the idea. It's like, we're not like going to just write your prescription, just see you one time. It's like, look, just come in, get better, get the care you need. It's going to take more than two visits anyway. So I understand. I guess I see both sides of that, that fence. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, there's a, there's a, there was another bill that was basically for TRICARE. And for those who don't know, TRICARE is the, um, for the military they use that's their healthcare insurance system and so it's allowing the beneficiaries uh, family to be able to um, access chiropractic so that's that's a smaller bill in scope because obviously there's not 10,000 new members every day uh but it's still important to be able to you know give be able to be a provider for the military and the military families so as it stands only the veteran gets can get care and their families don't Right, but it's it's a little trickier than that. So veterans can get care, but they have to get referred over by the by the VA specifically to a chiropractor unless there is they're getting services at a VA hospital that has a chiropractor already in it as an employee. Oh, so we don't have access at all. And so our goal is to try to get access to these people since we already got Medicare, it's already a government we have program. Li- we have limited access to VA patients. So the VA would have to basically re- prescribe them to a chiropractor and send them specifically to a chiropractor. Did they discuss, or do you know, I had heard every VA hospital is supposed to have a chiropractor. Is that true? Or is it just like certain size VA hospitals are mandated to have chiropractic? Any idea on that? I I, I don't I don't know what the, the VA mandates are on chiropractors. 
okay. in the VA hospitals. I know uh, every now and then I go to USA.gov and kind of check and see who's hiring and, and what hospitals are looking for chiropractors. But I'm not exactly sure of the, man, the VA mandates about having a chiropractor mandated in each hospital or in clinic. That's something that you hear a lot about, but unless you get, unless you have the actual law sitting in front of you or the VA policies and procedures in front of you, it's, it's, it's difficult to know. Yeah. It's difficult to get those jobs. I did make it past like two or second or third process. You know, you don't, you don't get to talk to anybody. You know, you don't know what's going on. You just get a letter or an email that says, Hey, you've, uh, you're on to the next round, buddy. <laughs> it's like, yay. Wow. So you, so you've actually got, Applied to a VA job and got through two one or two rounds. Did yeah. You ever get a face to face or a phone interview? No. That's where it got shut down. I actually asked, I was like, hey, what what are they looking for? I was like, I don't have any political history, you know. You do. That might be help that could be helpful. I was like, I got hospital experience. I'm just like, Well, yeah, do I need to become more active politically or something to have a better stand in this situation? I think if you served in the military, you'd have a much better chance to get hired. Yeah, that's not happening. So that much. I love the military. I'm just saying I don't want to. I, I do know that is one of the things that gives you a leg up in any um, VA position. I would like to know. You don't know this, I'm sure. But how many chiropractors are actually past veterans? I mean, because you'd be old. Ron Blanchett, school. guy who went to school with at Texas Chiropractic College, was a was an Army veteran. Mm-hmm. Brent Spees, too. Okay. Calling people out. <laughs> well, it's, okay. it's okay. It's I mean, okay. Yeah. Okay. Anything else that you can think of, like what NCLS did, or there's just a lot of, like you said, bush and elbows with the big leagues? and Right. It just going out and getting to the congressmen and women, the idea of passing laws, how it's beneficial, how it saves the government, because it's all about government spending. How does it save money? Chiropractic saves money by you know, allowing these patients to be treated for the underlying cause of the condition a lot of times and not necessarily being treated for just the symptoms. You know, in the midst of the of the opioid crisis, you know, we can try to keep them from getting on the opioids. So that's how we save money. Reduce surgeries, unnecessary surgery, unnecessary medication, doctor visits, unnecessary in MRI rehab. It's a lot of things that can help with the overall health system. Do you think that's why it's hard for us to get into normal hospitals because we save money, but in essence, hospitals want to make money. So there's like that double-edged sword of patients get better, but then chiropractic doesn't bill as much as like surgeries. You ever thought of that before? I think patients who are surgical are going to be surgical regardless. Exactly. So they're going to, I'm, I'm, and I'm sure that the surgery, you know, is not going to stop if they're surgical. You know, in cases of trauma, in cases of, of major issues, surgery is going to be. We had a technology issue. So, and I, like what you were saying, uh, I'd also say, if anything, we could free up potentially the doctors that are doing the surgeries because a lot of the patients they see aren't even surgical candidates. So they're like wasting their time doing an exam that a chiro could do and say, okay, this is what we're looking for for a surgical candidate. If not, they're going to get kicked out to another system. And then we could almost be a, a not a gatekeeper, but we could be processing some of these patients and be like, yeah, we can treat us, physical therapy, do both, whatever. And then when they don't get better, send them on. And those that come in are like, whoa, yeah, you're a surgical candidate probably like I'm like 90% sure now you can go and it frees them up to end up actually probably doing more surgeries in general because they can process more people because they don't have a six week waiting list anymore. Correct. Well, here's the thing. 
um, most most patients who have neck pain or back pain or headaches or whatnot, they're suffering. Um, if they're lucky, they go to their primary care physician for help. And in most cases, primary care physicians are really good at treating internal medicine and you know colds and flus and diabetes and managing cholesterol, high, hyperlipidemia, and all that stuff that has to do with the internal medicine part, medic and, and, and the medical part, dealing with diseases of origins of viruses and bacteria and, and protozoa and all those things that causes problems from a medical point of view, right? So when they get your run-of-the-mill headaches and back pain, most of the time they give them a, a prescription for pain relief or if they're lucky, they get sent to a PT, if they're lucky. So what, what the idea would be for them when they get neck pain, back pain, you know, headache, that type of thing, auto accident, say, hey, here's, here's your prescription for now for five, seven, ten days. But here's your prescription to go see this chiropractor who's going to help you so you can not take all this medication unnecessarily for an extended period of time. So you can take your, your meds now, schedule your appointment with your chiropractor, and then work work through his programming protocols and see how it goes, right? And if you, you can st- continue to have the problems, then he's either going to order some advanced imaging, evaluate you again, and see and send you off to a referral to a, a surgeon if needed, because there's so many people get caught in the in between or just taking medication constantly that the issue never gets resolved. And the more medication you take, the more you need, the longer it goes. Then they, then all of a sudden they find themselves having to go to surgery. Then they don't want to have surgery. Then they come find yourself in your office looking for a miracle. And the miracle and the miracle would have happened later. No, six months ago, a year months, a year ago, three years ago. That's when the miracle the miracle happens when the problem starts, not two or three years down the line after taking medication for all that time. Not that we're not amazing at chronic back pain, but now it's chronic, which means it's just a matter of like when will it flare up again versus hey, you may not have this problem again when it was an acute stage. Yeah. Any for us when you were there talking to the ACA and those types of people. Any agendas that the that APCA has with these organizations, how they can better pair with you? Uh, about, I want to say, about four months ago, um, then president of the ACA, Dr. Dr. Ray Tuck, uh, gave me a call asking me how I felt about uh, United Healthcare's issue. They, they sent out a, a, a memorandum saying they would no longer treat, or should I say, no longer pay for headaches the treatment of headaches by chiropractors what so this is about four months ago united healthcare said they no longer pay for the treatment of headaches by a chiropractor so the aca uh reached out to uh, me as the president of the abca asking me to sign on a uh, to co-sign a letter to the united healthcare ceo or whoever's in charge board of directors amongst other national organizations and state associations. And we and we did that and we got that policy reversed. So in situations like that, this is how we, we work together in order to uh, promote chiropractic. Can you, I can't even imagine that these board, this board of directors just saying, what can we, how can we save some money? Yeah, let's get rid of this. And like, if we didn't have an organization like yourself, like the ACA, my goodness, that would be unbelievable what could have happened five years from now, four months ago. That blows my mind right there. 
My goodness. Pay your dues. ACA. It's not that expensive. Come on. Come on. Yes. The, the state associations are important because your state association basically control, not control, they influence the um, the state legislature on what can and can't be done under your state license. So this past year, this, the CAL, the Chiropractic Association of Louisiana, which I also serve on the board of, um, helped to pass a law in Louisiana that stopped what's called global billing. So global billing was a situation where a company would say, hey, we're only going to pay you $65 for per day on a patient, regardless of what you do. So if you took an exam and treated a patient, oh, we're only paying you $65. If you took an exam, x-rays and treated a patient, we're only paying you $65. And so we found that to be highly discriminatory as physician level providers because they did not do that for medical doctors, podiatrists, or the dentist, or the doctors of osteopathic medicine. So we found that discriminatory in nature. So we were able to get um, legislature passed and signed by the governor that allowed, that stopped them from being able to global bill us without globally billing everyone else. Really? Really. Dude, I didn't know that either. That was huge. I can't tell you, like in Colorado, how many times it was 40 bucks. Sir, we're going to need you to do some x-rays, or not x-rays, but an adjustment, and some rehab, and some e-stem, and some, some of this and some of that. You got a $120 bill, and they're like, you get 40 Correct. Wow. wow. That's a thing, everybody. And so y'all are able to dissolve that, and now they have to pay you at least something for each service. Correct. Are y'all happy with the way that played out? Are they now paying you only like 12 bucks for rehab that Sometimes some companies might pay like 36 Well, it's, it's, it's very new. It's, okay. It was signed into late in, I want to say, August or September of 2018. So I'm sure when there's new bills, there's a, there's a grace period until all the companies have to become compliant. Okay. And once that grace period ended, and then, of course, there have to be some rebilling of things. Um, so all that's kind of taking place now. And so we'll, we'll have more information in the next three to four months of how things are going. This is an interesting I'm not going to say what company it was just because, but they paid us piecemeal, like what you, what you'd expect, but it took you sometimes three services before you could actually reach the $40 mark that these other companies were just paying you $40 for, even if you just did one thing. I thought that was kind of strange too. So it wasn't like it was even fairly reimbursed compared to say other professions as well. Right. I mean, they, they, they can all, I guess they can always combat that by trying to change the, the, the fee schedule or, or what they pay per service. But at the end of the day, they're doing their patient, their, their patients or their clients a, a disservice by um, doing that to the providers because what happens is the providers stop providing for those particular um, healthcare insurers and then patients get left out in the cold by not having the services provided or or not having a number a, n- a number of providers to give them services. Have y'all ever had to argue to match fees? Like if I can build this code and an MD and a PT can all build the same code, we should all get paid the same amount? Has that been a thing for Louisiana yet? Not that I'm aware of. I, 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 you know, most of the billing and coding is done by the, the office staff here. So that would okay. be a, um, you know, a question better answered to them. However, um, when billing personal injury or work comp, the work comp fee schedule is the same based on code and uh, same with personal injury. Well, that's nice. Yeah, it should be that way. I don't know why it's, it's nice. Oh, thanks for not uh, discriminating against us. It's so nice. 
Speaking of uh, discrimination, being a black doctor in South Louisiana, have you ever had to deal with overt racism or ever like had patients just, I, I can't see you, or any other trials that you've had to kind of overcome that probably a white doctor never had to? Does it even affect you on like a daily basis at all? You know, that's a, that's a difficult question. question to answer because most of the time my patients want to see me. They come see me regardless of, of um, me being black or, or not. Um, but if there are some, I'm sure it gets deciphered by the front desk, by the office staff. And so me being the only uh, black person in the office, I'm sure that if they knew or perceived that that would be an issue for a certain individual, then that they would just automatically shift that patient over to someone that made them feel more comfortable. Okay. All right. That's just stuff we don't, I don't have to deal with. I always find it interesting to see what it has. And past guests, it seems to be the way it is. It's, there's some misconfusion, but at the same time, there's not, I guess, a lot of hatred going on. It's like, you're a trained doctor, and then they're like, they respect that, and they expect you to be right. And, and if, good. Listen, and, if they, and most of the time, if they know that they are that way, I'm sure they can decide to look me up and Google me or whatever, and they'll see my beautiful brown skin and decide that I'm not the guy that they want, and that's fine. You know, um, but at the same time, even if you feel that way and you come see me, it doesn't matter. I don't feel that way. I'll take care awesome. of you just like anybody else that walks in the door. That's perfect. All right. I'd like to break it down, get a little more personal on a, on a lighter side. A lot of doctors, especially yourself, you work a lot. You take off. You lose money. Technically. How is it? Can you take vacation? Do you take vacation? And do you have any plans to fix that if it's not congruent? You know, it was what year I started here into it was not until I was here almost five years, six, seven, no, seven years that I decided 2012. So I was here five years and I finally decided to take five business days off in a row. Oh, <laughs> I don't like this. So it was, it was very, it was very difficult. I mean, it's, it, it's easy to take, you know, a Friday to Monday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and come back to work Monday. So you can always get that three-day or four-day weekend. Okay, okay. I mean, that's not a major issue. All right, so you're doing those. Right. Okay, all right. But to, to take five business days off in a row, it was very difficult for me in the beginning for fear of losing patience, for fear of losing revenue, for fear of, of anything. The next 60 days right. to recover. Right. So, um, but as you get more patience, you get over time, you, you become less fearful of taking five business days off in a row. That's that's always a difficult thing. When, especially when you're beginning, especially if you're not a, a salaried employee and you know your money is guaranteed, you tend not to miss days. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever take, like you said, kind of a Wednesday to a Wednesday? It's still... A good amount of time off. Does that work better for you in the past? Like, is that a safer option for a lot of doctors? You think? Um, Wednesday to Wednesday is still five business days. Okay. I mean, it's 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 you know, it's not about how many days in a row is because if you take off, you know, Monday through Friday and you get the two days on the weekend, you know, it's nine days, mm. right? So you can get nine days in a row by taking five business days. Off. So it just, it just kind of depends on you know how comfortable you are, and of course, being here in a group practice. I know that my patients will be treated by one of the other doctors if they, they if they if they so choose. Sometimes 
you know, patients get really attached to us personally, our our adjusting style, our, you know, bedside manner, so to speak, that they, they, they're not as comfortable with another doctor, even though they're in pain. So I always try to encourage, hey, listen, I'll be going for this amount of time. Dr. Richardson or Dr. Miller will be here to treat you if needed in the event that you're in a situation where you're not doing well. So that's one of the advantage of being in the uh, in a group practice. Uh, there's always somebody to take care of you. And I've taken care of their patients at times when they've gone on vacation or they've had to be out for any, any period of time. So it's it's it, it it protects you and them to be able to work together. Like I said, just this past week, I was in D.C. from Wednesday to Friday. So it was three business days. Came back home Monday to realize I had a new patient that was an old patient who had had been in another auto accident and that she was seen examined and treated on the first day by one of my colleagues. And then when I came back, she was already ready and prepped, ready to go to continue with treatment. Did you have to like re-examine her and all that kind of stuff? Or because it's through the office, you can just do like a mini exam for your right. personal once, self? Once the, I just reviewed the exam that the uh, my colleague did and I reviewed her x-rays and I continued her treatment from that point forward. Perfect. Uh, you got anything that you do to keep your mind off of work? Any kind of hobbies or fun activities? Sure. I, I, one of my hobbies is uh, I'm a sports official. The high school, middle school, and elementary level. I've been an official for 10 years now, and I do two sports, primarily football and basketball. And it's kind of a way to get back to the community because, you know, as a whole, we're short of officials. Oh. You know, we don't – We a lot of guys are retiring or aging out of the profession. You know, they're getting – we have a lot of guys between the ages of, you know, 55 and 70 – and not enough guys between the ages of 25 and 45. So in order for us to keep being able to do what we do, we need to get new and younger guys in, involved in officiating because if not, the kids are going to suffer. You know, the, It's not volunteer, though, is it? It's not, it's not volunteer. You volunteer. It might feel like it's volunteer time, but they do pay you a little, a little something to show up. Okay. It's not nothing to quit not your day. Not either. nothing to quit your day job about. Okay. But, um, you know... It's a very it's a big for for a part time job. It, it for a part time job, it pays pretty well. Okay. If you're talking about an hourly uh, pay, so um, it it can be difficult at times. Um, people tend to want you to be perfect, and what they don't understand is um, this is not your full time job. This is not your profession. It's a hobby. You do training every year for it. You might miss a defensive pass interference call near the goal line <laughs> in high school. <laughs> in high school, we don't have the, the benefit of having a review. We don't have the benefit of having all the technology available that, that they have in professional, even the college ranks. So it's 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 we're not professional in the high school. We work at it. Uh, we train. We have to continue in education hours and seminar. We watch tape. You know, we get, we, you know, there's a thing called Huddle. Uh, it's an app where they send plays for us to review. Cool. So it's, it's, you know, it's getting, it's helping you to get better as you progress through your year fishing. Something you probably didn't know. I did some flag football refereeing once upon a time. It was in college, and it was not the easiest thing. Even in flag football, I was like, man, people just hate you. <laughs> you make the wrong call. They get so mad. Like, I did peewee one year. Oh, man. The, the, the younger the level, it's typically more difficult to be an official. Like, uh -huh. once you get to varsity level, it's, it's easier in a sense that the kids – 
know what they're doing versus not knowing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And of course, the coaches are a little bit more professional, so they don't berate you as much as an official when their job, when they have a job, when they're being paid. Parents, right? So it's just it's just different varsity versus your nine and ten year old little league game when every all the parents are on the side of the field and looking at you like. That's Jimmy. Come on. But at the same time, we do it for those kids because, you know, they they don't want their parents or their coaches out there officiating games. So Yeah, I can imagine. All right, you just got married. You got a little baby on the way. Congratulations on both of those. Anything you can do right now or that you have done to kind of make sure you got the relationship good, the love stays alive, that way you are got that nice balance between family life and work life? When your wife calls, you answer the phone. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> That was our technical difficulty earlier. <laughs> no, it's, you know, it's just understanding. It's not the eight to five that or nine to five or nine to six that, that gets in the way of your relationship. It's it's the seminars on the weekends. It's the, the trainings on the weekends. It's the billing and coding and inputting, doing bills at two in the morning. It's the networking events from five to eight. Yeah, that's that's what kind of gets makes it difficult because in a typical non entrepreneurial profession, you go to work, you punch a clock, you go home and that's it for the day. You know, my day never really it ends, but it doesn't end. You know, I may have an email that I reply to. I may have a a question that comes up. So you kind of kind of deal with it. So I have been trying to make it a point. To put my phone down and my iPad down and shut it down for like an hour a day and just put it away, you know, and just and then kind of talk to the wife and deal with the family and 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 away from the phone for about an hour a day. Feels good, though, huh? It's not it's not a lot, but it is. It's you know, I've heard most people don't need I need a three hour time block right now. They want quality time and like if they can get a good solid hour. Man, that was way better than just yelling at you because you're playing on your phone all day on a Saturday trying to get something done. So it's cool, man. Good advice. One hour. Last question. Any favorite books, blogs or podcasts that you secretly love or in ones that you think other people should check out? Uh, you know, I'm not really a, a book, blog, podcast guy. You know, okay. I'm. I, 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 every now and then I do an audio book, you know, cause while I'm in the car, I can let it play kind of a thing. Um, what are you doing instead? My ho- other hobbies, you know, I, I play video games from time to time. They keep me engaged. They keep me relaxed. You know, it's, it's a getaway. I, I do enjoy uh, movies. Are you linked up with your buddies yelling at each other on the video games these days? No, I, I don't, I don't do the, I really don't do the online gaming. What? I'm, I'm, I guess I'm either a little too old or most of my friends. You could smack talk your buddies in Madden. But we don't. For your own just, house. You got to set up. The thing is, you got to <laughs> set up a play date to play online <laughs> to play Madden. Like my brother, you have to have the same Madden version. Oh, really? Right. You can't just play. If I got 19, he got to have 19. Or, you know, uh, you can't just. Oh, I got 17. You got 18. We're going to go play online. It don't work like that. I got to pause. I got I got a 10-minute break real quick. Right. My baby's crying. Right. So you yeah. can't just, oh, well, look, man, I'm going to be there at 4 o'clock, and you're going to be there at 4 o'clock, and we're going to play for this hour and hope <laughs> that, you know, you're not late or I'm not late. So, I, you know, it's just, it's just more difficult to play like, you know, people yeah. that you know and everybody my age got children and they got football, basketball practice, and they're going to dance recitals and all these things. So, 
you know, I, I'm more into the role playing games, the single user games now, and um, just just hour at a time just to kind of unplug that's kind of my thing you know i kind of grew up in the video game era we kind of started with the atari when i was really young and then nintendo came around and kind of just blew the doors open and it's been yeah. kind of that ever since you know i still i'm in the marvel movies uh, you know I, I like you know different types of movies is very entertaining it's just like a two-hour escape yeah um, but between that and the officiating officiating does take a lot of time yeah, I bet. You know, some some when it's hot in the middle of football season or basketball season, I'm working, you know, two, three days a week for four or five hours a day, you know. So um, it's that. So it's hard to really get into books and podcasts. I do do sports talk radio. There you go. So I don't know if that's really considered a podcast, but that counts. Some people are super into that stuff. What's your show? That two bald guys? You know, I, 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 I do some local shows. Nice. Uh, you know, ESPN, yeah, ESPN 1420, you know, I listen to old Kevin Foote sometimes on really? sports notes and different notes. Uh, Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports. All right. Sometimes um, Colin Cowherd is probably because it's during lunchtime. He's right when I'm in the car moving around, you know, every now and then Stephen A. Smith and Undisputed. So I, I, I listen to bits and pieces of all yeah. of them. It's, it's all very interesting. That's kind of what I was expecting you to say. If you didn't read a lot of books or whatever, because it's like you know you're into sports uh, and all this. Yeah, it's sports talk. You know, I, I get into it. it, it just it's, but it's so, better than political talk, I think. Well, that's a whole nother, Oof. a whole nother uh, uh, question. The line of questions there. Uh, it's a different interview. <laughs> Very different interview. <laughs> well, Doctor Briscoe, any closing remarks for the audience today? It's been a pleasure to have you on. I definitely want to know where people can find you. Well, if you if you're a chiropractor and you you want to come see me or meet me, uh, you can always stop by my office. But the ABC American Black Chiropractic Association is going to have its annual convention in Daytona, Far, June 27th through June 30th, 2019. We'll be offering up to eight CE credits. Uh, the classes will be on the campus of Palmer, Florida, and the hotel is um, nearby on the beach. You have to be black. You don't have to be black Whoa. to get C credits. That's we good. all need C credits. Yeah. So um, typically we have nutrition or radiology or any, any, any number of subjects that we, we have. Um, so our website is abcacairo.com. Very good. And do you have a personal site that you want to recommend? My personal site is drqmb.com qmb.com thank you so much for taking the time with us today and i definitely think people are going to get some good information today all right have a good day well that wraps up another episode if you can send me a review that's net slash subscribe apple google stitcher android devices you just click that button it'll take you exactly to the page you need to you can write a review hopefully a five-star review like i said it does help for other people to discover what we're doing here and one thing i haven't really Talk about too much is the a doctorsperspective.net slash support page. If you want to buy a, host a cup of coffee, go for it. If you want to pledge a little higher fee, there's buttons for that. There's even monthly recurring. For those who feel like, wow, this is like the cheapest mentor coach program I've ever seen because you interview so many different kinds of doctors and, and I've been able to implement things that I've heard and it works. So monthly recurring payments, which also can get you my books for free, t-shirts for free. Uh, the first book, you know, that deals with health and exercise, getting on a diet, getting your financial health in order as well. Things of learned in China. You know, that book is available as well. 
And one thing that I don't have, I don't have like a, a full-blown page about coaching and things, but there's a little button there. I've had people request, hey, doctors and non-doctors asking me, can I do more than just answer a couple of questions? Or could you be my coach for a little while? And I say, yeah, we can do that. So it's something I haven't really advertised, but it's something that I can do and do, whether it's marketing, some strategies for new patients, growth, those types of topics. If you're interested, just email me, justin at a doctorsperspective.net. If you have any ideas for guests, please send me an email, justin at a doctorsperspective.net. I'd love to hear who you think would be good or a profession that you may not have heard yet. And we've got over 100 episodes. This is going to be like our third year. Super excited. We're going to have a little mini series like we've been doing, which has been fun. Hope you've enjoyed them as well. That's, that's the feedback I've gotten. I want to remind everybody that we have some great affiliate links available. If you're into instrument-assisted soft tissue manipulation, we've got the Edge tool and we've got the Hawk Grips. Saves you about 10%. Also with the edge, you've got the uh, like blood pressure cuff restriction system. You've got the G Suite inexpensive EMR in case you'd like doing cash practice. And of course, I got my own electric acupuncture pin to go with the no needle acupuncture book. From time to time, you know, I'll have a bundle set where you can get them all together for a great price. I also have the free downloads at doctorsperspective.net slash blueprints. And what lately I've been doing is substituting a fifth one. Like I've done a knee and depending on the guest, I might do a different type. So check back there. You've got the Primal Paleo grass-fed protein, bone broth style. Save 10% on that. No sugar, allergy-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, all those types of things. Mentor box, get taught by the author. We got set for set for those floss bands that you may have heard about on one of the episodes. I really like those. If you want to know what hosting I use for podcasting, it's Blueberry. Pure VPN, that's one of those ones I use to help keep my payments secure as well as access the internet more safely. Any Amazon products that you might want, click the link in the show notes pages. So all those resources can be found at doctorsperspective.net slash resources. There's also t-shirts at .net slash t-shirts. Put up some new designs from time to time, like making lemons out of lemonade, shrimp po' boy, plus all the chiropractic and podcast swag that you could want. As always, listen, critically think, and implement. Have a great week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guest. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trost-Claire, giving you a doctor's perspective.